All right. Well, let's let's start here since we're uh, Bailey and I were discussing. What's what's Thanksgiving looking like for you guys? Um, I'm hosting too. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm. Uh, you're hosting as well. Or you're hosting two separate occasions. No, I'm hosting. I'm hope. I'm hosting the the family get together on Thursday, and then I'm hosting the friendsgiving on Saturday. Goodness. Because um, yeah. Well, funny story. I I forgot. My wife brought it up to me that we would be hosting the Friendsgiving. My wife to me. Relax. <laughs> I was hoping nobody was going to say anything for like 30 seconds and just let it, let like the awkwardness just keep escalating. Um, yeah, no. So my, my wife, I, she told me and then like I was just out of it. So I don't remember the conversation happening uh, apparently. And then Fucking my friend's group. Yeah, so then my friends group chat, they uh, text me like, "Hey, well, what should we bring on uh, next Saturday?" And I was like, uh, "What are What do you mean? Like, well, where are we going?" And he's just like, uh, "At your house, we're doing the friendsgiving." And I was like, "Are we?" So I had to like rediscover that I was gonna do that. So that's fun. So I got a host on Thursday, and I got a host again on Saturday. So I will be exhausted. Bailey, you also you also have to host on Friday. Don't forget. Hmm. Yes, that's true. I have to host on Friday. Bailey, what is vegan Thanksgiving like? Uh, well, my mom's actually vegan too. Okay, um, even better. So, yeah, so she was able to like she became I became vegan first, but then she did before our first Thanksgiving. So she usually just makes something really good. It doesn't have to necessarily be like last year. She kind of balled out because it was the first one where she was vegan. Um, so she got like this vegan stuffing and all sorts of stuff but this year i told her just to make like one course that's pretty good because we just got made fun of last year anyway so we're just trying to keep a low profile this year fair enough that's all right enjoy it yeah, yeah do she, you guys she, do she's a pretty good cook do you guys do like tofurkey or do you do like like legit food last year we did some tofurkey stuff but this year i think she said um she's making like a vegan lasagna and she makes like a Solid. good fake ricotta cheese out of cashews and stuff she she balls out so she, we'll be good I'll, i'm in good hands i've always been of the opinion that like not like if you can make something like for glu- people who can't have gluten like not doing like fake bullshit substitute noodles like doing something like noodles made out of something entirely different like chickpeas or something i've had before is the way to go it's when you can like make something like like making ricotta cheese out of cashews out of, or something like that, where it's just like, it's a co- totally different taste, but it doesn't taste fake that way. I don't know. That's that's kind of in my yeah. That's facts. Know, but... Plus, uh, Thanksgiving food's trash anyway. Like I always Woo! felt that way bef- before. So like turkey sucks. It's a terrible meat. Like even when I used to eat meat, turkey all right, sucks. You, you, all right, you gotta calm so, the fuck down. What's going? Yeah, How much longer it, you got? I got it. I don't know. Now that we started, uh, now now I'm heated. I could push push my plans back. But like, turkey, turkey stinks. People like so turkey. Good. I got any I, food we got that my you turkey. have to dump copious amounts of gravy on top of. You don't have uh, to right, right, right. get a good right, fucking turkey. I bought my turkey from the meat market. Like it's gonna be amazing. All right, couple things. Couple things here. Right. First of all, turkey is not an elite meat. I think we can all agree on that. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not. It's not elite. Uh, it's definitely not top five like Nikola Jokic, but you know, I we'll think we'll get to basketball. The, we'll get to basketball. I think the other thing that gets lost in Thanksgiving is I, it shouldn't. I agree with this much. It shouldn't be about the turkey. Thanksgiving is a hundred percent about the sides. There's like fifteen sides. I don't care what sides they are. People are there for the sides. I don't show up for the turkey. To me, the turkey is like I have to. It's a formality. Right, question for you, especially. 
what do you what do you think about Italian Thanksgiving? Like all, all right. the, like bringing Italian food into the mix. Okay, because I was going to ask you, what do you mean by Italian? Because there's a, there's that can go anyway. Um, I don't I don't like it. No, I gotta eat. I don't. I eat enough. Because I like. I was telling Bailey, I'm making lasagna this year. I'm doing like my family's recipe. I've like I'm recipe sauce. I've never made it before. It's fucking outstanding. My mom used to make it every Sunday for football, and I I can't wait. I've been telling people out here because like everyone in the Midwest doesn't know what the fuck I'm talking about when I say that. Um, It's I I really I really like like lasagna as a side on Thanksgiving. It's fine. It, uh, you're not. You're not going to hear me complain about lasagna, not on this podcast, not ever. <laughs> so that's not what I'm about to do. Okay, lasagna is a perfect, perfect meal. Uh, it's an even more perfect accessory. On Thanksgiving, I wouldn't say I wouldn't eat it because I would. I would just prefer to just go like there's like candy yams. There's just you know they always Trash. have like the good. Uh, well, Bailey, I can't even that's beside wrong. myself. That's a wrong. That's just opinion. wrong. That yeah. that is a bad and wrong. Bailey, what do you eat? What do you eat on Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> what do you eat? What What about stuffing? Stuffing, sorry. I'm all good with stuffing. So Out you, of a box, though. Stuffing. Do you just eat stuffing and gravy, Bailey? How does this go? He doesn't eat gravy. First of all, can't eat most gravies. Um, nah, I mean, uh, mo- most mashed potatoes, like any good mashed potatoes. Yes. You add butter in late, like that, that's part of like that's an easy substitute. Any good mashed potatoes, um, so I'm good there. What else do I eat? I, I don't know. Like I'm, again, as we talked about, I'm not a big fake meat guy. I just need something pretty good. Turkey though, turkey sucks. I'm not gonna leave this podcast until I get every, like turkey stinks. It's a it's a garbage meat. There's, there's plenty so of good vegan. Meats. There's plenty of good vegan cheese out there too. You could do a mac and cheese. I'm sure. Oh yeah, facts. Bomb. Yeah, mac and cheese. Mac and cheese, easy. Um, yeah, no, it's not that much of a struggle. It's just I I was never like hyped about the thanks about thanksgiving food even before i was vegetarian vegan whatever because turkey's garbage i don't like yams i don't like sweet potato casserole i don't like green bean casserole those are none of them ever did that for me so uh, it wasn't it wasn't that hard to take a step away uh thanksgiving is the best holiday to have a birthday on i know this firsthand born on fucking thanksgiving and every Every time, like, it's not all often on the actual holiday, but it's always the best time to have it around because it's, like, every all your family comes by and they all have to bring you birthday gifts, which is fucking That's sweet. Facts. Oh, my God, it's so sweet. You don't get gypped out of Christmas because you got at least a month in there. Um, and you just wake up and you don't do anything but eat and drink all day. Like, and then you take a nap whenever you want. And I've, I just think that Thanksgiving is probably my favorite day of every year. I have a little bit of a bias in here, but... I am. This is my favorite week of the year. Anytime you get family together and then they feel pressure to give you a card because it's also your birthday, that's a win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Trey, what about you? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, I'll be at my mom's house in the morning and then um, going down to my dad's house in the evening. He's, uh, he's hosting. So it'd be fun. That's about it. I mean, Bailey's food takes are completely trash. Sweet potatoes are very good. Yes. Sweet potato casserole is very good. Yes. I'm with you on the green bean casserole. It's not that good. I don't like green beans. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Trash. Turkey is yeah, turkey's mid. Like it's 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 there, it exists. Gotta get a good one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you can just call Thanksgiving foods trash. Like now I'm beside myself. I'm out of a I'm out of the podcast mood. Overrated just... would have been a better word. Overrated would have been a better word. Yeah, I, I'll I'm just, agree with that. Yeah, I'm just very I'm very I'm sad. 
I'm sad. I can't believe that that's we, we opened with this this kind of a take. It's just having like, my heart. Going, I think we just got trash. Yeah, I think Bailey we just, Carlin. We just need to move on. This is uh, how, how can we? We're not gonna find a uh, middle ground here. You know what this is? You know what I feel like Bailey is right now? It's that uh, that meme, the the one with Wario. The I, I won, but at what cost? Well, then, welcome, everybody, to the TKW Podcast Thanksgiving edition. We got the whole crew here. We got myself, Anthony Corbo. We got my bestest friend in the world, Kyle Maggio. What's going on, bud? We've got Merchman NBA himself, Bailey Carlin. Thanksgiving food is trash. (laughs) (laughs) Piece of shit. Jesus Christ. And rocking Twitter 365 days a year. Trey Zingas. Hi, guys. And, yeah, so Knicks pulled it off last night. Uh, we had kind of a, a shaky first couple of quarters there. I missed most of the game, but I caught up on some of the highlights at the uh, from the beginning. And, you know, it looked shaky at first. And then it looked like kind of a heated huddle. You had Hardaway and Cantor kind of going at each other for a sec, and Hornacek came right between that, and then, boom, they rattle off 14 straight. Uh, I don't know. What did you guys see in the game? What do you think turned that around after uh, after the slow start? Guys, no one, no one. My I started talking, but my mic was muted, so I was very <laughs> I was very worried why nobody was reacting, anyway. and nobody said anything. So I thought I was like, okay, cool, and then I looked down, and it's muted. Yeah, no one else has opinions on this game. It's like the quietest twenty-point victory I've seen in the, on Nick's Twitter in a long time. It was just a weird game. Yeah. It was like because because it came out like the first five minutes, it was just like full tilt. Like they were, everybody, they were just sprinting up and down the floor, both teams. And I was like, oh, this is some good fucking action. This is gonna be a good ass game. And then no one scored for like seven minutes. And then I was like, oh man, this is weird. And they had like forty turn uh, forty turnovers combined. I'm gonna assume is the number. Even though that's ridiculously high, you know they just had they were just turning the ball over left to right. Got mad sloppy, you know. And then the Clippers kind of I don't know. It was just it was like a weird game of runs. It was like a game of like unexciting runs is the best way I can word it. Up until the third quarter when uh, Dougie McBuckets caught fire. Um. So the Knicks had twenty two turnovers and the Clippers had twenty one. So that's forty three altogether. So you're forty. Um, turnover guess was actually correct there for go. what it's worth um yeah it was a game that it seemed like neither team should have really won like both teams played super sloppy and it made no sense that um both teams like kind of just went in a drought for 10 minutes i think the clippers in like the first or second quarter had legitimately eight game minutes where they didn't score a field goal and, and the Knicks were still only up by two points which I yeah. think is why the game was so painful is because like it wasn't even exciting to watch them win by that much because we had to suffer through such terrible basketball for for a chunk of time and like just looking at the box score you think you would think that the Knicks led the whole way like their whole team is plus double digits 
the whole Clippers roster is like minus double digits. Blake Griffin fouled out. And it's like, all right, well, the Knicks clearly played like a superior game here. And then everyone who watches like, no, that game was actually super boring and nobody really enjoyed it too much. Can you even imagine how many points they would have won by if the Clippers still had Chris Paul? They probably would have choked. Right? Yep. Yep. That's the narrative here. Am I right? Yeah. It, it, it was just a terrible game. And I understand that the Clippers are injury prone, like or not injury prone, that they have injuries and guys are missing, but there's something about Blake Griffin, man. I think he's super talented, but I don't know what's holding him back. Because I feel like he's much more talented than the games he produces, but maybe he's just not. I don't He came out of the gates on fucking fire this year. Yeah. I remember it was like the first eight games. Everyone's just like, well, Chris Paul was holding uh, Blake Griffin back, and I was ready. I was already mid-jump to get onto the bandwagon with that. And then uh, that came to like a screeching halt, and they just lost like everything after that. They've just, uh, what is it, nine in a row or something stupid? Yeah, they, they, lost? they lost more like everybody. I mean, they lost Milos at first, which was probably a big reason for uh, for Blake's playing so well. You know, they lost a they lost a really good playmaker, maybe even you know, close to being Paul's level. Uh, and then you know, you got Gallinari going down. You had Pat Beverly going down. Like the Clippers, just because they can never seem to either they either don't have any depth or they're just completely shattered. It's one way or the other with them. And I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's nine straight. Uh, what do you what do you think about? Doc's uh, job security. Fire him. He's gone. He's not good. He's been overrated. He's been holding on to that um, Celtics ring for so long. Did I think guys, he's the only coach. I think he's the only coach that's blown a three-one lead twice. Did you guys hear that uh, that Doc story he was telling a couple of weeks ago, where uh, he tried to get himself ejected at halftime so he could go watch Tiger Woods play? I mean, yeah, it's better than watching his son play basketball. So. <laughs> Now, this is when he was with the Clippers. He wanted to go and watch it with Danny Ainge in the back. You mean Celtics? Uh, yeah, Celtics, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what's with Doc. He, he really rode that um, big three Celtics to this whole other job, and he got all of the power in L.A., and now it's, well, maybe it's Doc. Maybe it's not the players. Maybe it's just Doc. Maybe he just stinks, and I'm here. I'm here for it. Also, train for a while. DeAndre Jordan kind of stinks without Chris Paul, which is not all that surprising, but I think he's still a little less good than I thought he would be without no, Chris Paul. No, that, that's, that's super fair. Yeah, it's it's because DeAndre Jordan almost has zero offensive skills. Like, he's really good around the rim, and that's it. But, you know, he's 7-1 and super athletic. No, he, he's very good around the rim. Yeah, but, he, but he's a good pick-and-roll guy, but, and Chris Paul maximizes that kind of player and unfortunately that's kind of it for deandre jordan like there's no other offensive game all he's really good at is these rim runs and without chris paul they really haven't had a lot of opportunity to do that you know pat he also yeah he didn't have he didn't have any other reason to be anything beside that so you almost it's almost hard to blame him too yeah and i mean he's he's still a damn good player it's just saying he's less good than he's been without chris paul is factual in my opinion, it's factual. He's still a very good defensive center, if not what I mean, what one of the top two or three. You know, I mean, he's he's a great center. His offensive impact is certainly less without Chris Paul. That's a fact. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a super good defensive NBA center. Um, you said he was top three-ish. I, there's Gobert, and then there's kind of everyone else at this point. So, yeah, he definitely has a uh, case to be in that top three defensive center. I mean, he's up there. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he's been up there the last, what, four or five years? So, I, I don't know, whatever top, whatever list, because those are all, oh, that's always, nobody's going to agree on those ever. But, I mean, he's he's top somewhere, top five, top the top tier, if you will, he's a top tier center still, despite his offensive limitations, I think, anyway. So, speaking of top tier, uh, we can't let this game go without talking about Dougie McBuckets. The hook shot, use it. Kicks it up top, McDermott for three. Pucks it in. Doug McDermott lighting it up here in the third quarter. He's got 13. That's his fourth three. Um, uh, what, other, what other nicknames do we got for him? I liked someone said Dougie McDunkett on the Twitter machine. Yeah, that, that, after, I like that one. After, after he just kept yamming it on people's faces like two weeks ago. So I like that one. Uh, I, th- I think I, there's a huge yeah. difference between Dougie McBuckets and Douglas McBuckets as well. Like, I much prefer Douglas McBuckets. I don't know why, but it just sounds so much funnier and well, so much cornier to me. Like, Douglas. I saw Sir, Sir Douglas. Sir Douglas, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's hysterical. That's an incredible nickname. Well, yeah, I no, I, I agree. I think Dougie McBuckets was fun, like, coming out of college. He was a rookie. Like, it sounds, like, youthful. And now he's got a couple years underneath his belt, and now he's sort of elevated his game to Sir Douglas McBuckets. Like, there's not one man under 65 years old named Douglas. It's just, that's just not how that name works. That's true. Like, <laughs> Is there another Doug in the NBA, period? Not even Douglas? I mean, there's Tony Douglas, but that doesn't count. Actually, I don't think he's in the league. Never mind. Scratch that. Tony Douglas is out of the league? He was last on the Pelicans, I thought. He was. He's I, not I don't know I, if he is still I don't, there. I don't think he's currently still on there, but I think as of end of last season, he was a Pelican. I'm more than positive. I think he was replaced by one Rajon Rondo. Why do I feel like I read somewhere recently that he was like the fastest NBA player ever? Did oh, I, I did. That. It was in the rep, uh, it was in the uh, basketball and other things book because okay, cause, yeah, because I did asked, not expect that name to show up in there because he was it was um what was it uh, Franken player. He is the fastest um, three-quarter court sprint or whatever from in combine history or something like that, yeah. right? And then he's just like, I know, like, he's uh, uh, Shea says something like, I know you guys are probably expecting me to say uh, John Wall, who is, of course, exceptionally fast. But And then he gave, like, the time and, like, for the three-quarter court sprint, and Tony Douglas had, like, a significantly faster time than John Wall. So I'm not entirely sure how that happened. But Tony I don't Douglas remember Tony fast. Douglas being fast at all. Yeah, he no, he was fast. I don't remember him being as fast as that three-quarter court sprint time, but he was always fast. I, yeah, I just I don't remember him being like above average, but that's fine. Not Probably enough. significantly less fast with a ball in his hands too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe okay. Maybe that's the distinction then. Just straight up three-quarter court in a sprint, probably Tony Douglas. Well, factually, of course, Tony Douglas was faster than John Wall. With the ball in their hand, I'm willing to guess John Ball. John Wall is much, much faster. Well, yeah. John Wall is faster. They did – I forget the exact test. Um, this might be like Twitter lore. But I know I've read somewhere that John Wall is faster with a basketball than without, which is doesn't really make any sense, and I'm going to fact-check myself after, but I'm 99% sure that's a thing. Hold on a second. How do you – what i don't know i have no words for that um that's why i almost don't believe myself because it doesn't that doesn't it doesn't compute like it doesn't add up like my brain starts to spark it doesn't make sense but i know i've seen it 
Bish Smith always gets tossed around in fastest dudes as he's well. Fast. He's I wonder if it's because he's shorter than everybody, so he like looks faster, but I think he actually genuinely is faster. He's like, a little guy. Yeah, like I, LeBron's super fast, but he's so large that like it he doesn't look as fast. I don't think this is any sort of revelation, but the two fastest guys I've seen in person, and I've, I think we've all been to lots of games, my two fastest, I saw Derrick Rose in 2008, and holy fucking mother of God, is he fast. And then I saw John Wall, his rookie season, same reaction. Those dudes were like, like when you see it in person and you see somebody move that fast and like that accurately to where they want to go on the floor, yeah, it blows you away. Can we, can we talk about Doug McDermott? Oh yeah, uh, how do we <laughs> get here? <laughs> yeah. I think he's sneaky fast, deceptively. Uh, some would um, say. Sixteen Underrated. points, five of seven from three. Let's uh, let's let's talk about it. What's is McBuckets kind of solidifying his role here? Is uh, or McDonkey, whichever one you want, but. I don't know. Do you guys think he's going to be able to keep this up a little bit more uh, long-term? He played 30 minutes last night. I think he is a good basketball player. Like, I do. I think he's a very, very good three-point shooter. And if this team stays decent enough that he's able to just be that and not hurt. But his defense, I mean, um, JB, Nick's Film School, as everyone who listens to this probably knows, like, he's done a couple videos highlighting... Um, his defense. So, I mean, if you can be a three and D guy, then you have a spot certainly on the Knicks and any time in the near future. It's not like they, it's not like they're going to be replacing him with anyone else. He's been doing exactly what everyone thought Lance Thomas would do. So I have no complaints. Kyle, we got a uh, Twitter question about uh, Doug McDermott, didn't we? Uh, that we did. We got a couple. Let me, you like to read the, some of those on the off? Twitter machine? Yep, yep. Um, we have from Josh Levine, uh, Twitter handle at jlevine three five two. What's it going to cost to keep Dougie this off season? His price is going up, although the fact he, that he loves this team could help us. Um, I don't know that he loves this team. I just I think that's sort of what every newly traded guy probably just says, but. I mean, I'd hope he's enjoying it here. It's been fun so far. Um, I don't really know what he'd get contract-wise. I mean, probably like 12 mil a year. Is that reasonable? 12? I honestly don't even know uh, anymore. He could get more than that, but it depends on so how 12, he plays the rest 12 of the year. Like, 12 to like 50. Like let, okay, so given... I, I would say he can he can make play. anywhere up to twenty million, depending on how he plays out I the rest of the year. For, I think that's preposterous. Twenty million dollars a year. Yeah, but it's 2017 20 million. I understand. Like, so that, do I, but still... I think that if he if he can like continue what he if he plays like he did last night and he keeps hitting his threes at a clip like this and he shows a little bit of defense, I I don't th- I think that's his ceiling. Realistically, probably I think he he gets closer to sixteen, but. Uh, the only reason I'm saying it like this is because I was arguing last week that I thought 65 million was too much for Robert Covington. It fucking is, Robert, but it's what they will and, pay. And and I think Robert Covington is a better basketball player than Doug McDermott is. So that's why I'm saying I don't know where between 12 and 15 million McDermott would fall, but I'm assuming it's somewhere in there, I guess. I mean, they're on like, I want to say they're on the same tier, but I, I think pay wise, they'd probably be in the same pay tier. Yeah, I think it's fair. I'd be, 
I'd be kind of shocked if he got more than like 13 million per year at this point. Given what um, that we understand that the cap isn't rising as fast as we thought it would, and all of those deals from two years ago, like the Joe Kim Noah year, like we realized that those are all anomalies and everyone was completely overpaid. And now Covington kind of setting the market for the role player. I don't think Doug McDermott's going to get too much more than whatever Covington got. Like, Covington's obviously better, but it's possible that he took a hometown discount because I guess Philly kind of gave him the opportunity that nobody else really would. Um, so maybe Doug McDermott does that type of deal for the Knicks, but I don't really see it. It's been one year, or it will be one year by the time he becomes a free agent. So I would think anywhere from 12 to maybe 15. I think he stays under 15 million per year. But yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think that's... I don't think that he's get a bigger deal anyway off of like one pretty good year, really good year. I mean, what he's shown, he, he played okay last year in OKC from what I remember. Um, he played pretty, I don't know, I guess Wells probably the word too. He played good for OKC. I think he's playing at a better level now. It's only 16 games, but I think he's elevated his play as a whole thus far. So I don't know that anybody would be willing to pay him tons. And if they did, maybe it'd be just a shorter deal. You know, maybe just like a two- or three-year deal where they pay him a little bit more. But I don't know that he's going to get, like, you know, the bank thrown at him right off the bat because he has, you know, 1.25 good years. Yeah, I, I also think that contracts might start getting a little bit more creative soon with how, uh, I mean, like, you know, the NBA doesn't really give you too much structure to go with it, but, like, we saw, like, Reddick taking, a, a, like, a larger one-year deal this year. Uh, and I know he's more of a vet than he's further down the line, but I could see some teams starting to play around with things like that. I The only reason I still think McDermott gets a little bit more than Covington if he maintains his pace is that I just still think that wings are going to get paid more than bigs. And like I, I know Covington's still kind of a kind of a tweener there, but as I don't know, I could if if he continues this play, I could still see him getting up to about maybe not twenty, but seventeen, eighteen around there. But to get more like and address that, and this will be I have to head out after this, but just to address that question a little bit more. Did you just cut out mid sentence? <laughs> well, I well, hello there. I accidentally muted myself. Um, first time using Skype mobile here, um, but I do think that they should keep him. I do think that they should keep him around. I do think that it's worth spending a little bit of money on him because they're having such a hard time getting guys to come to New York. Um, they got him. He didn't choose to come there. They just got him. But I do think they should try to keep him around because he has showed some promise and he shows that he fit well, that he fits well. And if he never gets any better than he is right now, that's okay. And that's not you don't run into guys like that uh, very often because you should never really have to ask for more from Doug McDermott. But he's almost at a spot where you don't really need to at the same time. And I think there's value in that. I just pulled up all of the the contracts. So I'm sorting sorting it by um, price. It's really a mixed bag of talent and contract right now. Um, so, for instance, you um, Anthony had McDermott near twenty million, right? So, people that are players that make eighteen million: Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, John Wall, Demarcus Cousins. Okay, obviously best of the best. And then you go down to seventeen eight, and it's like Wes Matthews, mm. good, better than McDermott, but 
not that good. And then Clay Thompson's right under him, and then Joachim Noah's right there. So it's really a mixed bag of dudes are going to get overpaid, don't get me wrong. But to kind of bet on him reaching that 20, it feels like for his talent, um, in the context of all these other players, it feels like right below the teens. Like, I, he could be in the same field as guys like Miritich, Vucevic, Solomon Hill, Wilson Chandler, uh, Jeremy Lin. Like, I feel like he's in that range. Yeah. More so than, like, the higher end. Yeah, just, that's where I see him. Just so I don't get uh, anyone angrily, like, tweeting at me or anything tomorrow, I do think that... I, I, do, I think that 20 would be his absolute max ceiling. I do not think that Doug McDermott's getting $20 million. I for uh, sure hope not, and I'm going to sign off now. You guys enjoy the rest of the podcast. Bye, Bailey. All right, Bailey. Thanksgiving right. food is great. Take, take care. See you later. It's it's trash, and I hope it's you choke fantastic. on your turkey. Okay. It's trash, I hope you choke on your turkey. All right, okay. have a good night, folks. All do right. That, do that mute thing that you did to yourself earlier. Do that again. Um, yeah, and also this, also similarly, I just want to make sure we reference all the fans that uh, came in on that mail back. So this also answered uh, the question of Adonis Q. Einstein, which can't possibly be his real name. Shouts out. Um, shout out to Adonis Q. Einstein, uh, because he asked basically the same thing. How did he go from a trade ship to possibly a part of our future, which we just now addressed? Um I keep scrolling through these salary things. I'm fascinated by how this works. I don't know what's wrong with me right now. Yeah. Like Etwan Moore, Moore makes about the same as Jamichael Green and Rudy Gay. Etwan Moore is vastly underrated. That's what I'm saying. You he's my fantasy. He's my like number one fantasy pickup from the free agents every year. He's one of those dudes where it's like, all right, you like to have him on that contract because he is probably underpaid. Like he's he's pretty good for a guy that makes eight million. And that's why like I wouldn't want to be the person to pay Doug McDermott just because you need to get these value contracts. And I don't think Doug McDermott for like whatever he's going to probably fetch is something that's worth it. Speaking of signing guys, see that was a good segue. Uh how we got a couple questions about Kemba Walker signing here, and this originated from the Slack chat this afternoon where I believe it was Mike talking about uh, how we could get or he'd like to see Kemba in New York or, like, what would be a reasonable way to get Kemba in New York. And then I tweeted some stuff about Kemba because it got me riled up, you know, hit very close to home. He's a UConn guy. And uh, we got some feedback from uh, some of the fans too about wanting to see Kemba in New York. So it doesn't have to be a super long thing, but how do we get Kemba to New York without fucking up everything? Trey, what's his contract like? Kemba Walker has two years left at 12 million flat rate both years. Oh my God. Which is a steal of a contract, but but by the time it's over, he's still going to be worse than Frank Nielakina. So I don't know if he's really worth it. Hmm. Tell you what, you just play, you can play them next to each other. You just go yeah, one, two, I, I still right don't there. see the problem. Position, position with Hardaway? basketball. Is it, with, t- Timmy's the three. What the, it, there's no there's no positions, Trey. Yeah, there's no it. rules anymore. You just throw five guys out there, whichever five you like. Billy O'Quinn, uh, Porzingis, Beasley, Baker, and and remote sessions. Mm. Hmm. I like it. I like it. I gotta get Baker yeah, in there. 
No, I, I'm all set. I'd be perfectly fine never seeing Ron <laughs> Baker. No, play. I'm all set. Thank you. Uh, I'm all set. I, I don't ever have to see Ron Baker play a, a single second of professional basketball for the Knickerbockers ever Papa again. John himself. Oh, God. I like Papa that. Ron. Papa Ron. I'm sorry. All right. That's that's enough. Um, uh, he looks like the dude most likely to eat Papa John's pizza on the Knicks. For sure. That's I don't know what that says about him or what that says about me observing, but I would guess he's the one that suggests, like, hey, let's get Papa John. Everyone's just like, no, Ron, Listen, stop it. It makes sense because the only people I've ever heard suggest Papa John's are Midwesterners. Exactly. From Isn't a uh, dude based out of Louisville? All right, never mind. I don't want to, I don't want to do Papa John talk. I regret it. I regret bringing that up. Are you talking right. Baker or are you talking Papa John? I was talking. I was talking Papa John himself. Okay. The John man. So back. So back to basketball. (laughs) So I I don't think there's any reasonable way to get Kemba here. uh, Honestly, I mean, they have no trade pieces, but that contract is fucking beautiful. Basically, what would have to happen to get Kemba here is we remain flexible by not signing anybody for the most part for two more years. This is my opinion anyway. Uh, Frank, for some reason, doesn't pan out or he doesn't pan out as the starting point guard anyway. And we decide we need to make a splash and then we sign Kemba. And I don't think there's any trade happening unless Charlotte goes nuclear and fucks up. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I like, don't see it happening. The ceiling to floor ratio for uh, Charlotte going neutral is so big too. Like, like I've seen, like they t- they totally won seven games like not that long ago, over the course of a season. Like, what was that? I mean, it was six years ago, sure, but they still won seven games, and then they like got to the playoffs, and then they keep on going back and forth and in between, and it's just like they have so like. I've, their tolerance for fucking up is so high that I don't think there's any way that they're just going to be like, we got to blow it up and trade Kembo away. Yeah, Kembo will hit free agency at age 29. I didn't realize he was kind of old. So yeah. To speak. yeah but don't, don't forget, he was there when they were the Bobcats, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's been... Um, he spent three years as a Bobcat, four years as a Hornet. Was he 2011 draft? I'm on his page right now. He was the 2011 draft. He was the ninth pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He spent a couple of years at UConn. I feel like in the age of the one and done, people um, kind of forget that dudes play multiple seasons in college sometimes. He went He went to UConn for three years. Damn. Shouts to Kemba, getting that education. Did it tell you what he studied? Um, no, basketball reference isn't that deep. See, um, yeah, the, uh, can you check basketball reference for his uh, nicknames? Because there's always two that we know and then like five that we don't for any player. Holy cow. Um, first off, this is wrong. I know for a fact his nickname is Cardiac. Cardiac um, Kemba, yes. This has zero nicknames listed for Kemba Walker. Damn. Well, uh, basketball reference, I'll tweet you angrily tomorrow. Please fix this. But, this like, travesty. but like the most random people will have dumb nicknames that nobody has heard of. And I feel like uh, Cardiac Kemba like, in... Like Arm- uh, Armadillo Joe? Is that Joe Johnson? Uh, is that Joe Ingles? It, who is that? Uh, you should, if you were a basketball fan, you would know who, who Armadillo is Joe is. I have no is idea. It jo- is it Joe Johnson? I uh, want you to go uh, take a gander at the old Joe Johnson basketball reference page. 
You let me know. Is it Joe Johnson? <laughs> you just said Joe Johnson. This is perhaps the best radio I've ever heard. <laughs> um, all right, Joe Johnson's nicknames. ISO Joe, I knew of that one. Joe Cool, I knew of that one. Big Shot yep. Joe, I yep. didn't really know of that one, but it makes sense. Armadillo matter. Cowboy. Good oh, man. Joe God. Johnson. Armadillo was in there. Arkansas. I almost had it. Arm- Hall of Famer Joe Johnson. That should be one of his nicknames because he's probably going to make the Hall of Fame. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, this is this is not on the agenda, but my least favorite thing is when we have debates about the Basketball Hall of Fame on Twitter, and then uh, the the NBA Twitter folk want to make the Basketball Hall of Fame out to be, or to sound like the Baseball Hall of Fame, and we get super strict online, and then people forget that uh, you're just going to get in for certain things, like... I remember seeing a debate about like is is Carmelo. I I saw this like it was it this summer or, or late last year about if Carmelo was a Hall of Famer, and I was like, yes, a fucking course, yes he is. No matter which way you slice it, he's gonna be a basketball Hall of Famer. If he was an if it was the NBA Hall of Fame, he'd still make it. If it was the basketball Hall of Fame, he'd still make it. You know, it's and then I saw I got riled up because I saw the Dwight Howard thing. I don't even like Dwight Howard. I don't. But Dwight Howard's a fucking Hall of Famer. And this basketball Hall of Fame, he's a Hall of Famer. This isn't like the baseball Hall of Fame where you could be an all, you know, uh, an all-time great or one of the five or six best in a certain generation and maybe not get in because of whatever reason. You know, this isn't the baseball Hall of Fame. This is the basketball Hall of Fame. You average 20 points a game or close, you average a double-double, win a couple defensive player of the year awards or three, get to a finals, you know, make some deep playoff runs like you're going to get in. You're going to get in. I think we got to stop treating this thing like it's some sacred, difficult to get into holy ground. Like, if you're just a very good basketball player, you're probably getting in. That's the thing. Dwight's had a better NBA career than Carmelo has. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um, I would say that he's had a better NBA career than Carmelo Anthony. Like, I'd go on record saying that he's won, what, he's the only three time defensive player of the year. He's been to the finals, which isn't really like the greatest accomplishment or whatever, but it's still a notch over Carmelo. Um, Carmelo is undisputably the better scorer, but Dwight's better at like every other aspect of the game. Um, but Carmelo, his obviously his international career comes into huge play with that, and those aren't the two dudes that you should go to on like fringe Hall of Fame conversations. It should be like Andre Iguodala, who probably makes it. But I don't really know. It, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but, but I the, think but he makes exactly it just because of the Warriors being so damn like legendarily good. He's also but, he's got he's got um he's got a gold an Olympic gold medal too though. Sure. Yeah. That's true. But this, but this is the kind of stuff that I was talking about too. Because for example, my my one example that I go back to for this kind of stuff is Yao Ming. Yao, when healthy, was a very good basketball player. I don't think there's any denying that he was very good. There was not a lot of team success. Did he win any? I'm honestly asking because I, I have no idea. I haven't looked it up. Has he? Did he win awards? Um, no, he has eight All Star games. He won Sporting News Rookie of the Year. Um, All NBA Third Team three times. All NBA Second Team twice. So, while he probably had a decent chance to get in. I wouldn't have called him a lock, 
if he was like a normal average, I'll even say American player, and that's not to spice this up because he's Asian. I don't think he should get in or anything. What I'm saying is he ended up impacting the game of basketball tremendously overseas. He was a ambassador for the league and for the sport in China. Because of that, because of him being a pretty good player when he was here, he got in. He didn't have it like this illustrious career, though. He was hampered by injuries. He never made it out of the first round. Like those things do matter too. And on top of that, you know, Trey just broke down what he had accomplished individually. And it was a couple of third teams, a couple of second teams, and All Star game appearances. So if that was a lot of other players, I don't think maybe he would have gotten in for sure anyway. But then when you look at Yao, what he's done for the sport as a whole, it's important to remember that that's the kind of stuff that the Basketball Hall of Fame takes into account. It's not, you know, to be this exclusive club where they just block you out of it. If you do good for the sport, whether it's Olympic gold medals, you're an ambassador, you know, you actually do well in the NBA, like all that kind of stuff matters. So just kind of we got to get out of our own heads about this being such a strict finger. Guys need to walk such a straight line to get in or play so well to get in like. I don't know. Is it that yeah, that's been bothering me for a while? It's totally the global impact of the game. That's what Yao fundamentally did. Um, the Dream Team is always credited for bringing the game decently global. Um, like Jordan and all of them inspired the generation of Euro basketball players for the most part, or just actually everybody outside of the United States. And Yao really took it to another level. I would say, like I think he was probably the first person after the dream team to really help the game outside of America Absolutely. or the United States of America. Like obviously you had your superstars, you had your Kobe, your Shaq, your Duncan and all the people, the early two thousands, your Iversons, whatever. But it was really Yao Ming that made the game so global and what really helped elevate it to the Chinese market. And that's totally um, a Hall of Fame worthy um, attribute for him on his resume. Like that's crazy to think that the NBA is in that market because of him. Also, yeah, I was only thirty-seven years old. Thought he was older. No, nah, he, he just feels older because early. yeah, he had a. Yeah. Well, it was a foot injury, wasn't it? He yeah. missed the second to last year um, with a foot injury. Then played five games in his last technical year. Yeah, yeah I mean. That's, so, yeah. That, that's unfortunate, but, you know. Um, speaking of injuries, should we wrap up with a couple of uh, quick hits on what's going on with the Knicks right now? Sure. We got, we got Frankie feeling a little under the weather. Uh, I, I don't really see too much cause for concern there, but did you guys see anything out of Ramon Sessions playing in the fourth quarter? No, he fucking sucks. All right, well, what's his name? Remote Sessions. Because I always grab the remote when he's in. Turn him off. Yeah, no, he he's. I thought it was more of Frank was just playing poorly, more so than he was sick, and then it was compounded that he was sick. Like they took him out. Um, he was struggling, and then I thought he didn't come back in because he was struggling. I didn't realize that he was just sick. Yeah, so I, I think he said. I think what's, what's kind of cool about it is he pretty much told Hornacek not to put him back in. Uh, he kind of said that he wasn't going to be helpful to the team and then later said that he has to learn how to play through sickness so i mean uh, fuck yeah man i mean to be to be fair i didn't think he was going to play well last night 
I sent that right before the game started. I was like, I'm super concerned about him playing against Pat Beverly at all tonight. And then I don't know that he actually matched up against Beverly a lot off the top of my head. I don't remember. I don't really think that he did, but he just ended up having a shitty game. And I was like, ah, man, this is kind of what I didn't want to happen. I kind of felt it in my bones. And then all of a sudden afterwards, he was under the weather. And I don't know if I'm just being, I don't know. I, I don't know if I believe that. I just think yeah, he had a shit game. It could be. But I don't see I don't see any reason for them to want like need to have to cover that up either. Like it I think funny it's fine for them to say you had the shit game. Sorry. Yeah, it was funny because in the chat you had said that oh you didn't want him to face Beverly and then all of a sudden Jared Jack starts off with like the fastest eight points Jared Jack <laughs> ever had. <laughs> yes, I was like, did. here we go. Since like <laughs> that, Friday, that because he he did the same thing uh, against Toronto last week. He like came out of the gates. He was like the leading scorer by the by the uh, by halftime, and then just fell off a cliff after. I feel like your whole team falls off a cliff if Jared Jack's your best player this through is, a half. This is true. Like just and not... yet, Knicks peak Knicks peak Knicks. Um, uh, Timmy, right. Timmy was also hurt too. Yeah, Timmy, so, some with this foot. I thought that might be plantar Yeah, but... that's what I thought. Uh, Hornacek said beforehand. He said, what did he say? I'm, he, he said, uh, I'm no I'm no doctor, mm. but I think he might be dealing with, with plantar fasciitis, which I hope um, once we get our office somewhere that isn't in New York City, that if I'm feeling <laughs> under the weather, you guys don't answer for me and go, oh, I'm no doctor, but Kyle might be dealing with the flu. Like, you know, like maybe maybe just leave me alone. Like maybe don't maybe don't say anything and just go out, oh, you know. He tweeted something. I'm gonna be tweeting. I'm not a doctor, but I think Kyle got polio. Don't, not sure though. Don't don't. I'm don't. not a doctor, but I think Kyle's skipping work. You know, no, thank you. Well, actually, maybe. And then I'm not a doctor, but I think Kyle's trying to get fired. Oh, who said that? Could it be me? <laughs> I love my job. Uh, back to the injuries though. I'm kind of. I've been weary of. Um, Chris has his elbow. I know people think yeah. like it's not a big deal, but oh, yeah, yeah, I do not think it's a big deal. Not yet. Um, the cle like he mi- first off he missed a game, which is not the biggest red flag because it was, I think it was the second out of back to back, so I was like okay with it. And then he just looked like he was shooting poorly against the Cavs. Like I get he was roughed up and stuff, but his free throw just. He never really misses that bad that often. But yeah, it's last few games I've been missing more shots than you than than, I, than what I did, you know, in the first 10, 10 games or so. Um, but it's okay. I'm just, you know, gotta gotta find my rhythm and and keep shooting them, and they'll eventually they'll they'll fall. So um, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep shooting. I, I'm still gonna contest it only because for me. He was playing so out of this world to start the year, and then he has one bad game, and then immediately you were like, I'm concerned about his elbow. And I was like, I don't think the first time he has a really bad game, we should suddenly go, oh, it's the elbow. I was, if it continues, and now it's been four or five games, and now I think it's fair to ask, like, hey, is it actually the elbow, or is he just regressing back to the mean a little bit? I Now I think we could actually have the conversation. But after that Cleveland game, for sure I wasn't having it. I was like, no, no, this it- is one game. If anything, it was more based on his free throw. Like, his free throw just didn't look right. And I get he's going to miss jumpers. He's going to miss the hook shots. He's going to miss those. But, his like, he, I have always thought, even before he was drafted by the Knicks, that he is, 
he has like the smoothest looking jumper for a, a large human. It doesn't look that fluid on anybody else. Like even Dirk has like a little bit of a hitch, but you know what I mean? Um, but KP has like this smooth fluid jump shot and it just like wasn't looking good from the free throw line. And I thought that was a red flag more than, you know, him missing other shots. And now like he's in this slump and I don't know if it is just him coming back down to earth. Like this is who he actually is or if it's elbow. So a little concerned, something to keep an eye out on, but I, I would, moving forward, he's just he got back. so many games of like good play under his belt from the beginning of the season that we kind of have to just say like, keep an eye on it for now because he's, he's kind of, he's kind of earned a little slump here almost. For me, I'm like teetering now to the point where it's like now the next like two or three games is probably when I'd be like, all right, that's, that's enough of what would be a slump. Like after that, I would, I would start to really consider like, all right, now it's been like 10 games. Is there actually something going on with the elbow? Like if it's three or four games, it's like, all right, you know, just that happens. That happens, especially when you're averaging 32 points through the first 10 games. It happens. But if you're really shooting that poorly for like seven, eight, nine, ten games, and it's not looking like it's getting better, then maybe, you know, that's when we start to have the conversation. All right, is it the elbow? So now I'm sort of coming around to it. I just last week when it first came up, I absolutely wanted no parts of it. But now, of course, like now it's actually a legit concern especially from his own comments about putting it off to the summertime to deal with it. So like we, like you said, let's just keep an eye on it, see what happens. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess that's about it. You guys got anything else? I got one last thing on, uh, Courtney Lee had a comment at, uh, during the post game yesterday. Yeah, that's huge that, uh, no, nobody's taking it personal because we need everybody in, in, in this locker room and everybody that's on the court. And uh, I think everybody knows that at, at this point now that when somebody's getting on them, it's coming from a good place. It's coming from trying to win. And so we just hold each other accountable and just go out there compete. And uh, you don't want to hear, we hear coaches' voice all, all, all day in, in practice and in games. So we get tired of looking over there. We can, we can correct each other on the court. It's something that we've kind of heard over and over and over again this season. Uh, especially in light of like the super team of last season with air quotes all around that. Um, I don't know. I guess from your guys' perspective, like I kind of asked this with Jerry last week, but what's, what's still sticking out as being different about this year's team compared to the last couple of years? They feel less dejected during games. I, I felt like there were times last year where for whatever reason, it just felt like they did not care as much. For whatever reason, like I don't, I'm not gonna point blame at Carmelo or anything because I don't, I don't think it's necessarily top on down. But this year, it feels like they kind of care more about I don't know if it's the game or each other or if there was like more team building exercises, whatever, or if they just, you know, they got off to a hot start and they genuinely just want to keep that um, pace up in terms of wins. Um, but you definitely notice. Um, guys like Cantor and Frank seem to just ignite not only the team but the crowd as well seeing as the Knicks have had so many home games so far it just feels like there's another level of care that exists with this roster compared to uh, other years but with this team also I feel like they just kind of try to pound your face in a little bit too like when things aren't going well 
like just like you said about O'Quinn and uh, Cantor, they just kind of come in. It's like a lot of offensive boards. They're throwing elbows. They're getting dirty with you in the post. And then even on the perimeter, say what you want about Timmy, but he's been attacking this year too. So there's been some games and they've been struggling to get things going. And then Timmy just drives and drives and drives. And yeah, maybe that's not good for his individual game, his individual statistics, but it's, it's good to see a guy who like when things get stagnant, he's just like, all right, well I got, you know, someone's got to get something going. We can't just sit out here and settle for jump shots or burn a whole shot clock with the ball moving nowhere. And there, there's been certain games. I mean, the Orlando game was one of them to me where like, he, I wouldn't say shot like extraordinarily well. He he shot well enough, but a lot of what he was doing was just attacking. A lot of his misses, he was just attacking. Like they were down the whole game, and he was just pushing, getting to the lane, trying to draw contact. And it's like when you see that from a perimeter guy, and then you see O'Quinn and Cancer doing the same kinds of things down low. It's just to me that's sort of the vibe I get from this team. Like they might be down, but like they're gonna keep trying to ram it down your throat for better or for worse. And I don't know. That's kind of fun to watch when you're not just watching one guy try to do everything. It's like two or three guys who are really trying to do all that they can do to get things back on track and get the game back in, you know. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with all that. I think it's also, you know, they know that it's a whole new thing this year. Like, you know, obviously Melo's gone. It's not the storyline anymore of like, Melo's unhappy and where are the Knicks going to go from here? Like, it's now the here that they were talking about. So, you know, just I think that you got guys like Cantor and he's trying to find his role within everything. Like McDermott is trying to find his role within everything. You know, all the other guys, you got Frank coming in, like trying to prove himself. Like, I just think it's a it's there's so much potential that's in the air. And they all know that, like, everyone's trying to boost Chris Stops up to the next level and make sure that he can become the superstar he can absolutely become. Um, And I think it's just looking like at least. I still don't know whether or not uh, Hornacek is the right coach for the team. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have complete confidence in the uh, you know the front office yet. But at least from the players and like what it looks like on the court, they all seem very in tune with each other, and that's something we haven't seen in a while. Uh, I think we talked about it with Hornacek. Just a quick note: I don't think he's the right fit long term. I think he's the right fit right now. If that makes sense, I think he's perfectly fine for what they're trying to do right now. I don't think uh, another coach for the right now version of this team would really be any better. But I think right now he's doing a fine enough job. Do you guys know what Tim Hardaway Jr.'s nickname is per basketball reference? Here oh, this is an excellent fucking way to close the podcast. Here Give it to go. me. THJ is the first one listed, obviously. Uh, obviously. Grover. Like Grover? the dude from Sesame Street? Grover, G-R-O-V-E-R. <laughs> How did we get here? I, I, you know what's funny is I can see it. I yeah. Can see it. yeah. The last the last 45 seconds to like minute and a half, I've just had Tim Hardaway Jr. pictures up on one side of my screen and Grover <laughs> pictures on the other side of the screen. And I'm just like, this is something that works in your memory, but not something when you put it side by side, it like looks accurate. I don't see it. But like the same thing that Kyle said, when you think about it, or, or Anthony may have said it, um, you kind of start to think like, oh yeah, that definitely does make sense. And then you pull them both up, and you're like, no, it really, it kind of doesn't. I'm not really gonna look does. it up because the name, when, when you when you spring it on someone for the first time, it's like that immediate reaction of like, well, no, no fucking way. And then you're like, well, actually, well, actually, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, that's it. I had I had the opposite where I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense, and then I look at it, I'm like, nope, nope, I I don't see it at all. But yeah, that's very very random. So I just started searching other nicks. Enos Cantor doesn't have anything because someone said Enos Cantor before. So I looked at him. He doesn't have any nicknames. Shout out Enos Cantor. Yeah, Turkish Hammer, close personal friend of the Knicks wall. Yeah, yep. the motherfucker. You can see our logo out of our graphics. You, you, can, you can see our handiwork on the Dennis Cantor's timeline. The number one thief of, of the Knicks wall. Shout out Cantor, but come on, man. Anyway, I, I kind of want to get him on the podcast. Yeah, come on, man. I want basketball reference to have all of Frank Neokina's nicknames. Yeah, why don't they? How do we do this? I want to start submitting. I'm just going to start tweeting basketball reference and submitting nicknames for uh, Frank Neokina and see how long it takes him to react. Uh, Everybody, if you're a Knicks fan, you're going to go and tweet basketball reference all of the nicknames, every single one of them. Do it for the whole team. I don't know what you guys are waiting for. Yeah, we got to get Grover out of here for Tim Hardaway. Yeah. All right, any other nicknames? For Tim Hardaway Jr.? No, I, just for the team in general. Uh, quickly, quickly, check Ron Baker. Check Ron Baker. All right, I'm on it. Yeah, I got this too. I'll take on some of the roster. Ron Burgundy. Uh, well, yeah, I think that's I think really uneventful. I feel like we all, yeah, we all knew that one. Um, this is great dead air. Kyle O'Quinge is just KO. All the dead which I don't. No one calls him that. It's KOQ, if anything. Oh, oh Joe Noah. Stickity, stickity 13. Yeah, he's got sticks. Sticks. He's got Joe, and he's got sticks. I can buy it. Joe, that. what an uneventful nickname. <laughs> it's the, not even an E. It's just J-O. Cordy Kyle, Lee has Kyle are you looking for nicknames too, or are you just letting us pull the weight here? No, I've, I've mentally checked out. So, oh man. So they play Toronto tomorrow. I'm not certain they need they need some type of a revenge game. After that, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there are. I'm sure it's not going to be a blowout. You, you never know the game's going to go, but it's not going to be a blowout. If they lose, I mean, it wouldn't be a blowout. I I would hope that they have a revenge game. They've they've done well about comebacks in general this year, so I'd hope that although this is not a technical technically comeback, I, I would hope that they respond well. Yeah, I mean, they just got to figure out how to stop Lowry and DeRozan. Both are coming on right now, and it's peak Raptors to look kind of scary right as Thanksgiving rolls around to slowly fade away come January. And then heat up again, and then disappear in the playoffs. Classic yeah. Toronto Raptors season. It's patented at this point. The yeah. way they've been doing Do you know it. Jared Jack's middle name is? Is it start with a J? No. It's got to start with a J. Oh, that's, that's, that's very disappointing. It's Matthew. I have no idea. Jared, Jared Matthew Jack? Yeah. Those are three super basic names. <laughs> I don't know if I've really seen the name Jarrett too many places before. Like Not I've, with two I've seen, T's. I've seen a lot but... of Garretts. I just haven't seen a lot of uh, Jarretts before. Not with two T's. I'll give you that. Okay. But Jack is like a very basic name, and so is yeah. The middle name. All right, Are we out of here. Uh, yeah. I guess so. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving, folks, to everybody except uh, Bailey. Yeah, except Bailey. Be on the lookout Friday for some stuff. 
some Knicks very stuff, some, some Knicks wall stuff. Uh, all the old stuff and potentially some uh, other things. We're not gonna break anything here, but uh, it is Black Friday, so get your wallets ready. We got a lot of big deals lined up. Yep. Um, yep. So we got all of our KP merchandise on sale. The Frankie Smokes on sale. Everything's on sale. Our new stuff. Uh, everything that Bailey's been designing is gonna be on sale. So just get the wallets ready. You got a lot of gifts to get, so why not spend it here? That's right. That's what I'm doing. Everyone on my list is getting TKW merch. Once a Knicks fan, always a Knicks fan. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for you. Everyone. Correct. Um, head to thenickswall.com. We've got plenty of good content up there right now. We've got uh, a breakdown of KP shooting slump from the one and only Knicks Film School, uh, Sir Jeffrey Ballone. We also got we got our previews and recaps up. Um, do you guys know who had the preview today? Uh, James. Did. James. It was James. Did. He got he had both preview yes. and recap yesterday. Okay. So you guys are in for a great night then. Um, follow us at at the Knicks Wall on Twitter. Keep an eye out for uh, periscopes. We've been having a lot of fun doing those after the game this season. Uh, I did a couple last week and it was a blast. Um, yeah, we got Snapchat going. Bailey's been on that a ton. Uh, Needs to. Yep, yep, yep. Everyone at the games. That's a good way. You know, you want to see a game live. You're, you're, uh, you miss being in the stands. Chances are it's gonna be on our Snapchat that night. So, uh, also listen up, all of you guys buying the shirts. Uh, we know you got the shirts. We, we see who's been buying them. We know you go to games. Start wearing your shirts to the games. Heavy, heavy-handed request here. Start wearing them to the games. It sounded almost threatening. It, it is threatening. I'd like to see them at the games and you go to the games. Uh, tweet us pictures. Maybe, potentially. I cannot uh, guarantee anything now, but we might have some goodies for you guys if you get into the stadium with the shirts. So mm. get them in there and uh, we'll see what we can do for you. I think that's all the plugging we have to do now. Buy the shirts. Buy the shirts. All right. We'll talk to y'all later. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Take it easy, guys. See ya. Thank you.